Good morning. How is this cozy little bunch today? Good morning, good morning. Who got escorted in? Some people got a... There they come. This sounds weird. I was going to say, there come the male escorts, but that's something different. No, not... Let's give a hand to Edwin and Josh, who were there. Steven was alongside them, leading by example. And if you came in on your own, well, you can get escorted out by one of these gentlemen, all right? Yeah, yeah, if you need it. Well, I'm Stephen. I'm uh, the, the student ministries pastor here. And I'm Melody. I'm a pastor here, too. Uh, we got some really exciting things that's been going on, especially in our student ministries. Actually, this week, it was kind of crazy because I was... I, was, I came in, and I was praying, and I was like, all right, God, how are we going to be able to connect with the schools? Like, they're right here, like San Dimas High School and Lone Hill Middle School. And funny enough, we got a call, like, an hour later uh, to, to Linda saying, hey, we have a senior sunrise event going on where the seniors show up at, like, 6 a.m. for, like, a breakfast. Would you guys come and donate time? So this Friday, actually, we're going to be at the school at like 6 a.m., I think Grant, myself, and a few others, just serving coffee. And it's like, it's an amazing part where we get to donate, we get to bless our time to the school and let these students know, like, hey, there's people who care about you. There's a place that's, that's safe right across the way. If you ever need us, we're here for you. So if you guys would be praying about that ministry, be praying about us Connecting with the school, the, the, the fruit that might come out of that, uh, that would be amazing to partner with you guys in prayer. Um, also, this Wednesday, actually, we are doing a back-to-school night. So if you are a family of one of the kids in the ministry, even if you've never come to the student ministries gathering on Wednesday night, Bring your family. We're going to have a little bit of a barbecue outside and just kind of enjoy, hey, you're going back to school. We're launching you out into this community, into uh, your school systems. And for those of you who don't know, we actually meet every Wednesday night, the student ministries, at, from 6.30 to 8.30. And there's been some amazing things happening. We've kind of switched around what it looks like to do, to do Wednesday night gatherings where we do some games, some worship some uh, teaching, and then some like intentional uh, breakout groups with high school and junior high having their own time to connect with each other and build connections with each other. So if you're someone who has not gone to the student ministries gathering and or even haven't come in a while, I highly recommend you guys uh, get plugged in, get connected. I'm Steven. You can talk to me. I can get you my info um, because God's doing a lot of things in our students and in this culture, and we're excited for it. Yeah. Let me tell you, it is something amazing to be, Grant and I are usually, you know, doing stuff with small groups and whatnot that evening, and it is amazing to hear either the, you know, all the stomps of them running around upstairs, or the singing that is happening that you hear from that room, or we hear Stephen sharing, you know, intentional teaching, and you guys have had an amazing time, yeah? Yeah? Look, they're all asleep. You guys have an amazing time, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. There it is. All right. All right. Well, um, so just going on from that, something that is happening this Saturday, we are having a pantry distribution this Saturday and a garden work day. And uh, if you have never been to the garden, I encourage you to go 
The ministry really, really needs hands, hands to help, hands to work, hands to dig, hands to hand out things. Last time, Rana was really short-staffed in um, the garden, and she was, you know, struggling between harvesting and giving out to people, and uh, Claire was her little helper there, Uh, but uh, just really, just come on Saturday at 8 a.m., Uh, They start harvesting and they start preparing to give out to folks in the pantry. And the pantry also is a place that is kind of an easy way into serving. If you are not serving somewhere, in some way, please, please, please uh, talk to us about that. Because that is part of the DNA of our church. That is part of the mission that's right there on the wall and that's part of our vision. And when we say, God, open doors to, to have us be plugged into the community, boom, they're there. They get a call an hour later. So please participate in some way. For the pantry, you do have to talk to me because we do set up teams. And so we don't want too many people just showing up because we don't want you to stand around and do absolutely nothing because 20 people randomly showed up. But you will get assigned a date. So please, please talk to me about that. And we would love to have you. You know what else we would love for you to do today? We would love for you to take home some eggs. <laughs> Who needs some eggs? It's like a baking day. Yes. Okay. You can take, you can take a dozen. You can take two dozen. You can take three. You can take four. We have a fridge and a half full of eggs. And that just won't do for the rest of the pickup week. We pick up every day from Target. We pick up three days a week from Aldi. And we need to make space. So last, what, two weeks ago, mm-hmm. you got blessed with maybe some meat, some produce, some veggies that went out. This week, you know, it's, today's a baking day. Go home, make some cookies. Make a quiche. Go home, make a quiche. I really like those um, egg cups where you put a little turkey and then the egg and then some chives, right? Are you hungry? I'm making you hungry now. Okay, so make your best hungry face while Grant is preaching, okay? All right, well, so um, yes, please come talk to me about the pantry or garden or Rana as well. We'd love to just chat with you. Yeah, let's uh, let's open up in prayer for this morning and uh, get started. Jesus... Thank you for the rain. Lord, thank you for each person who came out here. Lord, that you've, you've so sectioned off this place and this time for us to be here to worship you. Lord, I pray that your presence would fill the atmosphere here, that we would be changed um, in these moments with you. I pray you'd be with all the schools starting up, that you'd be blessing and keeping and protecting uh, the students to be able to learn I pray for our church that you would take us to the places you have for us, that you'd move in our community, that you'd move and help us to be a blessing to all those around us. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. Thanks, guys. You made it. Well done. I came by a boat this morning. Um, I've been working on it for a couple of years. I got a message from God about this specific weekend, and so I was faithful to, uh, to work on it. You ain't seen nothing yet, guys. You're going to need my boat. Uh, my name is Grant, and uh, I have the joy of being a pastor at New Song Church, and um, we are in our summer series, which is, you know, 
finally fall has come, right? It's like from here on out, it's just kind of wet and gloomy, right? Southern California. But it's still the summer series. This is why I'm wearing this, because this is the alternate week. So people who don't, aren't here this week, they're going to miss the colorful week, and they'll go straight back into black again. So, you know, whatever. Um, but we're doing this series called Summer of Love. Uh, and the idea kind of came about, as many of you know, from singing at San Dimas Retirement Center, both in the main part of the, of the place, of the center, and in the memory care unit, play, singing Jesus Loves Me with the residents there every single week. And at first I did it because I thought, okay, what songs are familiar? Uh, but it has turned into this beautiful little moment where we sing together, and, uh, and especially in the memory care unit, it's something that is quick to the mind of all the people. And we almost think like a protest, you know, despite how difficult things maybe are right now, but we are loved. Uh, and this kind of resonated with Melody and I and with others who visit there. We thought we need to remind our congregation, our people, our, our community, our family, that they are loved by God as a priority. Uh, it fuels everything else in our lives. Um, and so we really wanted to think about what, what about this creation, this world, about, or both inside of us and outside of us might tell us or remind us or point to that love. And so the first, the first three weeks, we did, obviously, the Bible tells me so. We, we studied Scripture. We looked at what Scripture is. We looked at the Old Testament. We looked at the New Testament. And then the past couple of weeks, we've, we've got a little more, uh, I'm not sure what the word is, but uh, inward-looking, perhaps. You know, we, we looked at, uh, in the future, actually, we're going to look at the creation. Fuzz, who is here this morning, our resident scientist, is going to talk about how the creation tells us that God loves us. Um, but there's also this creation that is in us. We talked about our conscience, how might this voice um, that sometimes accuses us, sometimes um, you know, uh, encourages us in, in how we act, and it seems to be something around the idea of morals, how might that point us to a God who's a creator and who is one who loves us personally? And the second, then last week, we talked about our longings. Uh, so the, fir the first thing we talk about is collaborating with our conscience, to collaborate with our conscience, to, to let that be a voice of uh, change and understanding in our lives. Um, and to paraphrase an old uh, hippie slogan, do I remember the slogan uh, to turn on, tune in, and drop out? You ever heard that one? So I thought, how about turn on, tune in, and go out, right? So to turn on to God's love and to tune in, we, we had the idea of a radio where you're trying to find that channel, and it's kind of fuzzy at times, and then you, you get the channel. To, to, to seek to, to, to find a way to turn up the volume of God in our lives and then go out in his power. Uh, and the next thing we talk about is labeling our longings. We all have longings, and sometimes we misunderstand them. Sometimes we follow them to our detriment uh, because we're dissatisfied. Um, so we wanted to seek how to prioritize being satisfied in in God each day, that we might not have these spaces that we seek to fill with all kinds of other things that causes harm in our relationship with God and our relationship with other people because we end up being competitors rather than community. So to be satisfied. This week, we're going to talk about claiming and celebrating our human creativity. Creativity. Talk about the arts today in order that we might experience what it means to be fully human in all the aspects of what that means but especially in our identity as God's particular people in our time and place. So Jesus loves me, this I know, the arts tell me so. Maybe a little confusing, not something you expect to hear in church, but I think that's kind of a, a sad sign that we don't talk about creativity in church much. What are the arts? 
Well, here's a definition. The arts are a very wide range of human practices of creative expression, storytelling, and cultural participation. I love that. It's very wide. It's hard to say, is that the art? Is this the What is creativity? How does it manifest itself in our lives? Well, you can think of many ways. Typically, we think of the visual arts, which include architecture, ceramics, drawing, filmmaking, painting, photography, sculpting. The literary arts, stories, fiction, drama, poetry, Performing arts, including dance, <laughs> music, and theater. How about the culinary arts? Cooking, and then crafts, just things that we make with our hands from all kinds of materials. Hands up who considers themselves to be a creative person, an artist. Hands up, all the artists. I'm impressed there are so many hands going up, because that's actually a question most people they don't consider themselves to be a creative person or an artist. There's a, a, someone I heard once that did this little test. He went into like a school of kindergartners and said, hands up all the artists, and every hand went up, right? But then he went to a high school senior class and maybe one or two, you know, the ones dressed in black with <laughs> skulls and things, right? And, and there's many reasons for that, probably. One is that, you know, it's... it's a lot of people feel it's kind of prideful maybe to say, I'm an artist. And that's unfortunately because sometimes we, we don't celebrate those whose art is maybe not sellable, but you know, it's downgradable. Well, you're not really an artist. How's your work? Um, but also I think it's because, you know, as you get older, maybe it's not so cool, you know, to be one of these artist types, right? Um, but the creative expression that we find in the arts is actually a huge part of what differentiate, differentiates human beings from the rest of the animal kingdom. Um, and I, I kind of wasn't sure whether to, to put this thing in because it's kind of a gross illustration, but just bear with me, right? You know, primates, they will smear their business around, but only little baby children, humans, will make models out of it. If you know, you know. I stumbled in on my younger toddler brother one time, and I was like... He is going to be an artist, and he is an artist. That's his work, his job. He is a contemporary artist that started in the crib, much to our horror. But, you know, babies do that. They're just these little creating machines. They start to put things together. That's why Lego and the Duplo, these things are so important, because as soon as kids are, are able to move and, and, you know, use their hands and feet and everything, they start to just, like, input information, and then they start to, to make things. And it's sad, actually, that we kind of lose that as we get older. We just make things for the money, maybe. We have a career, a profession. Our creativity is means to the end to pay the bills. But how many of us take the time just to enjoy creativity just for its own sake? It is deeply spiritual to be creative. Scripture is full of creativity. The Bible, I mean, about a third of the Bible is poetry, if you think of the Psalms, even Job is, is written poetically. There's so much poetry in Scripture, at least a third. The people of the Bible, King David danced, and he wrote, and he played music. There's some stories in the Old Testament that says when King Saul was depressed, he was feeling oppressed, like demonically, he would call for David, and David would sing for him, and it would calm him and make him feel okay again. It's interesting. I, I'm often kind of anxious on Sunday mornings, it's not because I care particularly how well you know, I look or anything, but I care about this. I really care. And this is a bit of a spiritual thing sometimes. And so I was coming this morning. I felt that anxiety again. And I was like, okay, well, you're preaching about this this morning, Grant. So I started singing, I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship you. Oh, my soul rejoice. And it calmed me down. 
the singing with my, my body, my lungs, the words. Jesus was a craftsman. Jesus, it says in Mark 6, they said, isn't this the carpenter? In one of the other gospels, they say, isn't this the carpenter's son? Put them both together. He was the son of a carpenter and a carpenter himself. Music was a huge part of Jesus' life. There was so much song, so much singing. When they had sung a hymn, we talk about this often at communion. You know, we do communion together we, and we quote from Matthew. And when they sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Right before this really difficult time, what did they do? They sang songs together. Jesus cried out the words of an ancient Hebrew song, Psalm 22, just before he gave up his life for us. Three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Quoting lyrics from the cross, lament, words of poetry and song from the cross, creative words. The apostle Paul, when he was in Athens, quoted from a pagan poet. He used the arts of the day, not a Christian poet, but a pagan poet, to convince people in Athens that God had spoken and acted to save them. For in him we live and we move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. And of course, we know great, God is the great artist. You know, it's kind of nice to get some clouds in the sky again because sometimes down here, it's the sky is the most dull thing when it's just this blue, blazing, hot sky, right? I miss clouds. I miss sunsets and sunrises and weather and all the things of creation I miss sitting in my cozy little room with a cup of tea and hearing drip, drip of water and knowing I'm warm inside and there's a storm raging outside. I was hoping for that. I wanted more, guys. <laughs> Come on. Bring it. God is the great artist. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I love this. Now, the earth was formless and empty, like a blank canvas. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. This creative force was present and God said, let there be light. And there was light and there was colors and there was feathers and there was foliage and there was waves and mountains and sky and beautiful. And the people of the scriptures were well aware and they took that as an impulse for their writing. Psalm 19, for the director of music, a psalm of David, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. And that word glory is a really interesting word. It's very hard to translate. And so it's a very broad word. But part of the word glory is the concept of beauty. The heavens are declaring the glory of God, which it stands for power, all of these things. But also beauty is so important there. You know, when I was a kid in school in Scotland, you know, we didn't have the separation of church and state clause. It's actually, they were very intertwined. The minister would come to church every Friday for assembly. And we would pray before our dinners and things. I'm not sure it was always a good thing because most of us were not praying with our hearts. We're just like, for what we're about to receive, may the Lord make us truly thankful, amen. You know? It's just part, but it was part of life, right? And we used to sing this song. You might, do you maybe know it? All things bright and beautiful. Shall I sing it? All things bright and beautiful, all creatures great and small, all things wise and wonderful, the Lord God made them all. And then it just lists all of these things that God has made. 
their glowing colors and their tiny wings and all this stuff. And as a kid, like, I found that captivating as a way of talking about God. It wasn't, Jesus will save me from hell. It was, God made such a wonderful creation. I loved that. As a, as a, I was into nature so much. Every little bug, I would be always into the birds and all these animals and things. So it really captivated me. And God delighted in his creation. It is very good. And we are made in his image. The word image. We are made in his image. Genesis 1.27. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. I love that. Pairing up of ideas. Created. He created them. Psalm 139, which was in the song this morning, Canvas and Clay. You created my inmost being. You knit me together. Who knits? Anyone knit? So when you knit, knitters probably think of that differently than non-knitters, right? You know, it's like, right? You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because, why? I am fearfully and wonderfully made like a pot on a wheel or a painting. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Isn't that a great thing to think about? When we feel like we are nothing, we are not worthwhile, to, to say this, I praise you because I'm fearful and wonderful made. Your works are wonderful. It's not pride and arrogance, it's the truth. Every person is a unique, beautiful image of God bearing miracle. Every time I see a new baby, like we dedicated Enzo last week, I am stunned into awe by this, this little child. And we do this thing where we, we pray for his little head and his mind and his heart and his hands and his feet. And it's, it's so profound to me. This is miraculous stuff that God has done. <clears throat> and, and therefore, as we said about the conscience, it says in Ecclesiastes, God has placed eternity in our hearts but we don't understand or can fathom out all that God has done, but there's something in us, within us, that is part of us that echoes this creation that we've been given. And there's a book by N.T. Wright called Broken Signposts, How Christianity Makes Sense of the World. And I love that. It's kind of like a similar thing, that there are signs in this world that though they are broken, yet they still point to this God, this creator who loves us. And he writes in the book, we are all of us hardwired for beauty, searching for a deeper and richer meaning in a world that sometimes seems to overflow with delight, but at other times feels dreadful and cold. Beauty, the haunting sense of loveliness, the transient yet utterly powerful stabs of something like love, but something more and different as well. It's not, after all, a mere evolutionary twist, an echo of a primal urge to hunt prey, to find a mate, to escape danger. It is a pointer to the strange, gently demanding presence of the living God in the midst of his world. There's something compelling that we long for that isn't about practicalities. Beauty is not about the practical. Beauty is about a spiritual experience of being human. We seek it. We desire it. It's about longings again. We long for that which we are not currently able to experience and it draws us out of ourselves. That's what it's all about. We, I believe the artists, musicians and painters and poets and all the rest of them are, are trying to say something about what they are experiencing as human beings made in God's image. This creation that God made has been damaged. It, is, it has brokenness. 
It sings, some people say, like the birds sing in a minor key now, a sad note. And so Romans chapter 8, Paul writes, For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. It's like the creation itself is waiting for this, this consummation, this delightful conclusion to what God is doing for the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, that is us, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. I think that speaks to so much of what the arts do. It's trying to express the inexpressible. And it happens in the Psalms, Psalm 45. I'll read the whole thing because these little bits at the, at the start tell us that these are songs. So Psalm 45, for the director of music to the tune of Lilies. I wonder what that melody is like. Of the sons of Korah, they were songwriters, a masculine, a wedding song. My heart is stirred by a noble theme as I recite my verses for the king. My tongue is the pen of a skillful Writer, this sense of a heart being stirred by a noble theme, whether it's the wedding that he's singing about, this mysterious coming together of people in a covenant, or maybe it's something to do with God. But some longing is being expressed in art, in artistic writing, poetry. Psalm 22 again, the one that Jesus quoted from the cross, from you comes the theme of my praise in the great assembly. From you, O God, comes the theme of my praise. Before those who fear you, I will fulfill my vows. I'm up making up a word. I'm using art maybe in a part of speech that it's not supposed to be used for, but I'm using it as a verb, okay? To art is to be human. So I just think, that, you know, to art, to appreciate, to explore, to carry out art is to be human. For several reasons, it is so fitting, the creative act, to being human. The first thing is a search for meaning. Artists are always trying to scratch an itch that they cannot answer. No, no perfect poem has ever been written. No perfect song has ever been written to express what it means to love or to lose or to long. No perfect painting has ever been written. Artists keep doing work because they've never quite finally answered the questions they're seeking to answer, a search for meaning. And it's amazing, artists don't create things. They're not creating matter. God made everything from nothing. We simply arrange it in new ways to try and figure out how it all fits together, whether it's with paint or with words or with music. A guy, William Jones, in a book called Sunday Night at the Movies said, Christians of our generation are becoming increasingly aware that the contemporary arts are pleading the same questions the church is committing to holding before society. The question of the essential meaning of human experience. The second thing is telling us the truth. Artists are very honest. We don't like that. Comedians are also very honest. And sometimes we do like that, unless they offend us. But the art, comedy is an art also. It's meant to show us something that we might not want to look at, to tell us the truth. Vincent van Gogh, that song that David sang right at the beginning of our gathering together, the song Vincent, it's about Vincent van Gogh, 
who I don't know if you know, but he went to seminary and he was actually a pastor in quite a poor community and his, his, his family, his ancestors were very much involved in ministry. But, but Vincent decided that the art was really his passion, and so he went off and he became this painter. And in his lifetime, he was not that popular, only in later time. To have, now his paintings are just like hugely valuable. Um, but he told us the truth through painting. Here's what he, he wrote about the way he saw things. If one feels the need of something grand, something infinite, something that makes one feel aware of God, one need not go far to find it. I think that I see something deeper, more infinite, more eternal than the ocean in the expression of the eyes of a little baby when it wakes in the morning and coos or laughs because it sees the sun shining on its cradle. He just did paintings of the mundane stuff. You know, a building, a starry night, a set of sunflowers in a vase. And he was seeing in them something of the creator the magnificence, and it made him come alive, but it also was a torment to him. Artists do wonderful things for us, but it costs them often quite dearly. And so Vincent by Don McLean, the song that David sang, starry, starry night, paint your palette blue and gray. Look out on a summer day with eyes that know the darkness in my soul. Artists tell us the truth. Now I think I know what you tried to say to me, how you suffered for your sanity, how you tried to set them free. They would not listen. They're not listening still. Perhaps they never will. Like what a meeting of the painter's vision and the music, the writer of the song's vision together. Artists are seeing something and they want us to turn our heads to see. And, and what's beautiful about art is that it's not always direct. You may have heard there's a poet, her name is Emily Dickinson. And she was an amazing poet who also during her time was not that well known. They found a bunch of her poems kind of hidden away. She didn't really share many of them publicly. But she had this saying, she said, tell the truth, but tell it slant. Tell the truth, and it's part of a larger thing. And what does that mean? That means that poets and artists, they get around us. They, they sneak their truth in by not being just pointed with what they say. They get around our defenses. So for example, I could say, God meets my needs. And you'd be like, okay, cool. Versus the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord, God's not a shepherd. He's not, we're not sheep, literally. It's a metaphor. It's telling the truth slant. God meets your needs, sure, but think about it this way. God's like a shepherd. And in David's day, people knew what shepherds did. They knew what he, he was a shepherd. That's how he could explain as an artist writing a poem. The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. He makes me to lie down. He leads me with his staff and his crook. Here's another one, okay, I'm gonna read a poem in a minute, and it's telling its slant. And I want you guys, when I read it, just to kinda sit with it. And here's the, here's first, here's the truth. People need friends, and isolation is dangerous. People need friends, isolation is dangerous, good. Here's the poem. Not Waving But Drowning by Stevie Smith. Nobody heard him, the dead man but still he lay moaning. I was much further out than you thought, and not waving, but drowning. Poor chap, he always loved larking, and now he's dead. It must have been too cold for him, his heart gave way, they said. Oh no, 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 it was too cold always. Still the dead one lay moaning. I was much too far out all my life, and not waving, 
but drowning. The truth, I feel it. You feel it? I feel something I can't even describe, perhaps, about humanity and, and how we don't look at people. We don't understand them. We don't see them. We don't linger with them to understand that what we, we see is a cr- there's something happening to this isolated person. And that's another thing that art really does well for us, which is so creative, so spiritual, so important for followers of Jesus is this. It awakens our imaginations, awakening our imaginations. Jesus told stories all the time. Why did he tell parables? Why didn't he do something a little more right-brained, right? Is that the one? Left-brained artist, right? Right-brained like engineer? You don't know? Other way around. Why couldn't he have been clearer? Why did he tell these parables that people didn't seem to understand? Why did he talk about birds and seeds and farmers and vines? He wanted to open up people's imagination. That is a doorway to curiosity. And what happens is the disciples would come afterwards and say, what did you mean by that? That was the right response. Down this path of curiosity and and a longing to know, to understand. Like saying at the beginning, I said, I should do this for every single sermon. Once upon a time. Doesn't that inspire imagination, just hearing those words? Once upon a time in a galaxy far, far away. (laughs) Or whatever, right? It was not original to George Lucas. Doesn't it make you feel childlike again? Wouldn't you maybe like, when's the last time I read you a bedtime story? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to record them, by the way. They'll be available on the, on, the, on the website, okay? Guaranteed to put you to sleep. If you're suffering from insomnia, tune in. Um, C.S. Lewis, who I quote a lot in these sermons because he just understood a lot of this stuff and he thought about it deeply and he wrote a lot about it. But he, he has a book called um, Surprised by Joy, and it's about, about beauty, but it's also about him coming to faith. He said, the most reluctant convert in all of England, I kneeled down in my bedroom and said, okay, I'm in, right? But his journey had a lot to do with the imagination. And he wrote this, he said, in reading Chesterton, who was a writer, and MacDonald, who was a Scottish writer, I did not know what I was letting myself in for. A young man who wishes to remain a sound atheist cannot be too careful of his reading There are traps everywhere, you know? We do pretty well with propositional truth. We can argue against it. We can disprove it. But if you get into someone's imagination, that's why C.S. Lewis used Narnia and all these things. It does something to us. We start to feel something, and it leads us down this little path of questions about who we are, where we come from. Why do I feel these feelings within me? We need writers, the next thing is, is the experience of community. Art is so good at building community. Who's ever been in a drum circle? Tara, you've been in a drum circle. I just know, yeah, I know. I tell you, the likely suspects, Rana, yeah, you led a drum circle once. That was a fun experience. Um, you know, making rhythm music together or singing songs together. I keep meaning to buy it. There's a songbook of all the popular songs. I keep meaning to buy it because I've got this thing like, wouldn't it be great just to get together and just sing a bunch of like old songs together? It's something beautiful. You know, the ultimate one apparently this year was Taylor Swift's concert tour. Who went to see Taylor Swift this time? 
Macy. Anyone else? I'm surprised because she's broken all records of, of you know, what's so wonderful about a concert like that. It's, it's art, right? It's visual. It's music. But it's just this sense of togetherness, which we experience often here also when we sing together. It's a, and, and it's a common shared sense of unity, like the words that Taylor Swift writes. Apparently, a lot of people resonate with the way she sees the world and her ex-boyfriends, <laughs> Right? And so we sing, I mean, most of the videos I saw of that, you can't hear Taylor Swift because whoever's filming is surrounded by a bunch of people screaming the words out. Art is so wonderful, whether it's reading a story around a campfire, whether it's singing music or attending a play or something, it is beautiful. And it also invites us into the lives of other people, whether they're with us or not, whether they're in the story or the song. The next thing is they inspire hope. Good art can inspire hope in us. They all lived, they all lived happily ever after. Doesn't always work like that, but stories continue to point, good stories continue to point us to the possibility that there is still hope. These great ideas of reconciliation and justice and redemption are, are throughout so much art. You know, I was, when I was visiting Scotland, my sister was having some real problems early on, and I went back, and uh, my mom and dad were, it was just me and mom and dad, and, and so I was like, what do we do? Because everyone's just struggling, and I've got, I put Ted Lasso on the TV, because they'd never seen it before, and I'm not recommending because it's got swearing in it, right? But there were so many moments where I saw my mom crack a smile or laugh in recognition of something that was common to the story of their lives and the story of our lives. And we felt seen and we felt heard and we felt ministered to, dare I say, by a secular TV show that said it's so much better than maybe we could say it to each other through the script. Hope. Art can tell us that there's hope. And here's the thing, as C.S. Lewis and other people have said, all the great stories in the world are echoes of that great story. Every good story, every good tale, everything that was good in an imaginative way is an echo of the great story of a God who is redeeming his creation. The final thing is simply this, is being human. Creativity, we celebrate our senses. God gave us senses and artistic, creative endeavor and experience just is beautiful for who we are as human beings cooking, right? I've started cooking. Mondays, I've got this Asian vegan cookbook, and I did produce a pork substitute meal a couple of weeks ago, made of mushrooms. And my daughter hates mushrooms, but she, did a, she gave it a brave shot. Thank you, Kira. Um, they're gone on Monday, so I'm going to have pot noodle or Taco Bell. But the following Monday, I'll be back in my cookbook again with my interesting new spices and things like that. But yeah, it's a beautiful thing, the taste of food. I mean, things like perfumery, that's an art to create scents that are reminiscent somehow of the natural world. Think about architecture. You know, you see, you go see like, who's been at a cathedral in Europe, like a big cathedral? It's kind of like, it's meant to be awe-inspiring. It's meant to cause you to consider the, trans, the, the, uh, sorry, the transcendence of God, this great God, it's this building. But it also kind of em- emulates... Of nature, Yosemite is like cathedrals and trees. 
all of our senses, texture, fabric. Why do you wear what you wear? Is it just the beautiful colors? There's something beautiful about being a human being and, and experiencing texture and smell, the smell of the wet tarmac after weeks of rainless Southern California, right? Mm, that oily, petroly rubber smell. Ah, reminds me of Scotland. <laughs> so we need artists, we need writers. The body of Christ needs to honor and celebrate, support and encourage its artists. And you need to consider where that is happening in your life and embrace it, whether it's enjoying the art of others or whether it's endeavoring to do some creative things yourself. You know, it is so important to us as humans, and I'll tell you one thing I think is proof of that. The quickest way to dehumanize a people is to take away their art. The quickest way to dehumanize a people, if we're made in the image of God and we're, we're supposed to be thriving and growing into more and more of that image and all its richness, the quickest way to take that away is to, is to remove it. And one thing I think of is the, why do fascists burn books? All that literature, whether it was suspect by Jewish writers or by whatever people, they would burn these things, this, this uh, control. Art is dangerous. Story is dangerous to power. Solitary confinement, I can't think of a worse punishment to be in a place with just bare walls, nothing to think about, to occupy your mind, to remind you that you're human. So how do we think about, how do we engage with the arts then as, as, as people of faith? It's had a really challenging journey from lots of excess and expensive stuff in the medieval time to the reformers burning all the images and getting rid of everything in the church but a pulpit. But it's really, really important. George Barna wrote, wrote this, 20% of all American adults found in media, culture, and the arts, their primary means of spiritual expression and growth. With that percentage on the upswing such that by 2025, over one third of all adults in the United States are projected to turn to media, culture, and the arts for their primary spiritual experiences. That tells you this thing, this thing is discipling people in some way. Therefore, we should really be interested in it and we should really care, understand about it. But Christians have not had good relationships with the arts sometimes. There's been culture wars, right? Seriously, why are we so threatened by words? Why are we so threatened by stories and ideas that might not be the same as ours? Then this capitulation where we just, we did this too. We went like, oh, it's all bad. We'll be over here in our church. Let us know when you need us. And the arts just went, well, see ya. And we left the building. And then we wonder why it's so hard for us to be taken seriously in the artistic world. Or there's creative collaboration. There are so many people in the art world who are making wonderful art that echoes the stories of this gospel. But you know, art is not in itself good or bad, morally, right? This matter, things. We always say everything new invention that comes along could be used for good or it could be used for evil, and art is the same way. We can create a delicious meal for a community our creativity used to bring people together and to delight our senses, or we can build a weapon to take lives. The creativity that we have within us can be used for many different ways and different ends.
Something that is a challenge, I think, for people who are into the arts, though, is we end up making an idol out of it. There's a band called Delirious. Anyone heard of Delirious, English Christian band from back in the day? Oh, he, oh, one person. I tell you, he'd be so sad to know that he's been forgotten. They were a really huge band in like 80, late 80s, early 90s. And I was into music. I still am into music, but I used to be into music too. Um, but uh, it was my thing. So my creativity was all about, I mean, actually it was all about me. I was feeding off people liking my music. I was not an image of God, like reflecting anything back glory to God. I was sucking it all in from my dissatisfaction and my longings that were unmet because I was not satisfied in God. I needed so much. And so I came back to faith when I was like 29 and 30 years old and I started listening to this band Delirious and there's this one like lyric that just like pulled me up short in my own understanding of the place of music in my life. And he wrote this, rock and roll is everything, everything to a lonely man and never will I bow to you. Boom. So it's, it can be a wonderful, beautiful thing in its proper place. It is not going to satisfy all of our longings, but it is something God has given us that can be used for us to build, be built up in Christ. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We talked about Adam and Eve last Last time, last couple of times about conscience and about longings. And I think it's beautiful to think that in this paradise, in this garden, they were given work to do, the work of their hands, gardening, creativity, beautiful. And, and I think that is what we should do as believers. There's no sacred second, there's no line that says like, okay, I'm watching a TV show now over here, so I'm not engaging with Christ. You know, we separate things out. And uh, a few months ago, maybe six months ago, Ron and I were having a conversation about her journey, understanding her Alaskan native culture and her background. And it was kind of, a, kind of an epiphany moment. Ron could have maybe explain it better, but we were talking about just the wrestling and the struggle with what place it had in life. And I simply just said to her, have you prayed saying, God, this is all yours? and embrace that part of your life as being part of your faith? And not in a, in a churchy kind of a way, but to say all this is material of culture and art and creativity and dance and community that is part of my own experience as a follower of Christ. And, and I think it was this kind of this moment of like, it kind of changed everything to say it was so much more joyful rather than being a separate part of her life, which was over here. And I asked her to share this today because I want to share it with you guys. And you all have things like this that you could share with, your, with people that are beautiful, that are from cultures. And that's why I'm wearing this shirt today. I wanted to find a better shirt that kind of said like, boom, fry your freak, freak flag with colors and shapes. I would love to see our church be far more dramatic in terms of its just creativity and that you guys share what you love, what you do, what you sing. Well, not some of you not sing. But to approach all of life with an awareness of God's presence and purpose. So whatever, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. You know, uh, Sebastian Bach signed every one of his pieces of music he wrote to the glory of God. 
Every single piece, that was his purpose. So every single thing that is creative is material for our spiritual growth. Imagine you prayed before you made a meal. Maybe some of you do. Not just, Lord, thank you for this food. Bless it to our bodies for our nourishment to serve you. But thank you for this pepper. (laughs) Thank you for the delight of these ingredients that I get to put together and make, you know? To bring everything into that place. Before reading a book, after reading a book, before watching a show, how might this be part of my vibrant human life, inviting God into every aspect of who I am because it's there for a purpose. We have touch and sight and taste and smell, all these things and hearing so that we can be fully human and alive to the presence of God who is present in these parts of the world. Matthew 22, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. and Love your neighbor as yourself. Enjoy the art of others. And it does take discernment. That's something to work on. We don't make rules about what you can watch, what you see. We are free in Christ. But of course, not everything is beneficial for us. And the greatest tool that we will need is to be discerning, engaging the conscience that we have tuned to God. But we are in his grace, and he has created this beautiful world for us to enjoy. The fact that God became flesh reminds us that this is good, and the things that we make are good. We're to enjoy them. So we're gonna have communion now, which is, I actually was thinking, man, we should have baked bread this time. You know, I kinda missed an opportunity there. We should have all baked bread, you know, under a giant umbrella. But this is, uh, this, is, this is artistic, this is creative, you know? Think about the layout of the room. Why are these tables here? Why do we come out of our chairs? It's not just random. We come out of our chairs to the table, if we're able, to come to receive that which is offered to us. Why, why do Melody and I and Chris and Fuzz offer you the, the elements rather than necessarily you take them. It's because you're given. This is the free gift of the grace of God this is meant to point to. Why bread and why wine? It's that these creative things remind us that we're of the earth. Their sustenance, their nourishment, but they point to the greater story and the greater picture of God's recreation. All he is redeeming. That's what we celebrate when we do this together. So I'm going to invite you guys to take your time and uh, come up when you're ready. Uh, Receive a piece of bread and a cup. We'll hold them together and take them together shortly.
If anyone needs served where they are, if you need served, then please raise your hand and someone will come and be good. read a little section from uh, Isaiah. Let's just be present. We are alive and God is with us. Come all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread? and your labor on what does not satisfy. Listen, listen to me and eat what is good. Come all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory full of grace and truth. Let's take the bread. Thank you, Lord, for the abundance of this gathering, all of the life, all of the experiences, all the richness of our community. Thank you, Lord, that you are our redeemer. Thank you, Lord, that we are not left abandoned like broken pottery, but that you are the great painter, you are the artist, you are the sculptor, and with everything in our lives, you are making us new. Lord, let us trust you. Let us be your people. Thank you, Lord, for your love for us that was shown in the giving of your life for us. In Jesus' name, amen. There was uh, some of you knew Ruth, who was from the San Dimas Retirement Center, and she actually passed away um, just a few days ago, which is very sad. Um, and I was talking with her family um, about getting to know Ruth, and but one of the things was she said, "Do you not guys not sing hymns around here?" You know, and she was so we do we always sing hymns on Wednesdays at the retirement center, but. So, and one of the, the, her son was like, yeah, she actually told me that. She said, these, sing all these new songs, you know. So I've been contemplating Ruth and I was contemplating what might be a good response song to sing in terms of what we're talking about and How Great Thou Art just seemed like the perfect song to sing. So um, 
The team's going to lead us with that song.